All right, Alexander, let's talk about the darkening mood in and around Ukraine and the big counteroffensive and the Alensky regime and the lack of progress being made in the big counteroffensive, even though we have a lot of the collective West media running with the news that Ukraine has captured this village of Yurozhanye. And this is the big victory which signals the the progress being made by the Alensky regime, the Ukraine military, as they move closer towards Mariupol and the the plan to to sever the Russian uh, forces in um, the the south uh, region. Anyway, uh, what is going on now in and around Ukraine? Uh, Olaf Schultz, by the way, has also come out with some interesting statements, and uh, he's calling for peace while at the same time, calling for negotiations, peace talks, while at the same time uh, calling for Russia's capitulation. Yes, so uh, what do you make of everything yeah. that's happening? Well, I don't think anybody uh, actually, you know, I mean, what, what I said, I don't think anybody, I don't think most people who are following this war take this capture of this village particularly seriously. By the way, the Russians have captured many villages in the northern fronts near Kupiansk, where they're making many much faster advances, and they're much closer to catching that town. And um, I've already seen, you know, people say, you know, the Ukraine, Ukraine can capture the old deserted village in one or, one or two places. They still haven't reached any of the big fortified lines. There's now been a whole mass of articles in the media in the United States, less so, by the way, in Europe, but certainly in the United States, talking about how... Ukraine's offensive simply isn't advancing. It isn't moving forward um, in the way that it was expected to do. There's no real expectation that it will be able to break through to uh, Mariupol or to the Sea of Azov or any of these places any longer. And you talked about a darkening mood. That has appeared in a headline, that expression, darkening mood, has appeared in a, head, in a headline to a long article in the Washington Post. They're talking about a collapse of, Ukra uh, of morale within Ukraine itself because the offensive isn't making the progress that was expected, not by any stretch. And, of course, they're also talking about a darkening mood. They're not directly alluding it, but, of course, the, the darkening mood is in the United States and in NATO too. And you see Olaf Scholz now talks about negotiations. He wants Russia's capitulation, but of course he knows that there's no possible way that Russia is going to capitulate tomorrow. Why would the Russians capitulate when actually it is they at the moment who are the ones who are really ad advancing? So when he wants the Russians to capitulate, what he really means is he wants negotiations going. That's the part of his comments that really matter. The problem is that I don't get the sense that there's any real plan about how to structure these negotiations. And there's demands for negotiations. They're not really about negotiations. They're about trying to get a ceasefire and freeze the conflict so that it doesn't interfere with the elections next year, the elections in the United States next year. That is what it is all about. And I cannot see why the Russians would be interested in going down that route. And in fact, they've already rejected it.
We said in a video three months ago that uh, the, the Biden White House had an opportunity yeah. to push Alensky to negotiate before the elections got started. And yes, the Biden White House would have had some, some fallout to deal with, but it would have been like Afghanistan, the Afghanistan debacle. It would have been a week or two of criticism and then everyone would have forgotten and everyone would have moved on. And then the Biden White House would have been able to, to go about their campaigning in, in a way that they want to campaign. But they chose the other route, which was escalation and trying to defeat Russia so that they can get a big win as, uh, as the campaign, the election campaign was, was revving up. So, you know, they, they really only have themselves to blame. If they had listened to our advice three months ago or two months ago even and just said, you know, Zelensky negotiate because we don't need this hanging over our head as we uh, as we get into campaign mode. It's obvious that you're not going to win. It's obvious that this plan to reach the Sea of Azov, it's not feasible. It's not going to happen. So let's wind this thing down. Let's take the hit before the campaign gets started and let's move on. Instead, they chose the escalation route because they, they felt, and perhaps there are forces that still feel that they can defeat Russia as, uh, as the election campaign gets moving along. This, this was a huge strategic error. It was a huge strategic error, and it was absolutely right, and they should have listened to that advice, but of course they didn't. The president himself apparently was very committed to the offensive. He was sure it would succeed. They all talked themselves into saying it would succeed, that the Russians would crumble, that their soldiers were lacking in discipline and lacking in morale, and um, that Russia was running out of tanks, machines, weapons, every conceivable thing that, you know, they didn't accept, they didn't acknowledge the reality of the Russian military build-up, the, you know, uptick in production in in Russia, of shells or any of those things. So they expected that the offensive would succeed. And of course, it didn't succeed. Uh, on the contrary, all the indications are, all the admissions, the really serious admissions in the media in the West are that it is failing. But having said that, I think you're absolutely right. I think now we have a division, basically, within the administration into two camps. One says, let's reach out to the Russians, let's try and freeze this conflict, let's try to get all our friends around the world to put pressure on the Russians to get them to freeze this conflict, let's keep it frozen until the elections. And then there's the other group, who are much more hardline, who are saying, look, let's just keep going, because in fact, what we were saying a few months ago about the Russia being weak and you know, about to break down, the army is about to collapse, they're don't have any reserves, any of that sort of thing. They are still arguing in that way. And there was this extraordinary article that I read in the Times um, over the weekend, the London Times, I should stress, in which they said, you know, keep fighting on. We won't break through now, but we'll break through in the spring, the summer of, the summer of 2024, just a few weeks before the election is when victory will be achieved. That will be when the F-16s appear on the scene. That will be the great game changer. So that is the argument that is taking place. And I get the sense that the president himself simply can't make a decision between the two. He's feeling pushes him to agree with the hardliners. He, I think, 
has a massive animus against Vladimir Putin. I think that's absolutely obvious to anybody who's been following him. I think he has a visceral dislike of Putin. He has a visceral dislike of the Russian government. I don't think he wants to negotiate. I don't think his heart is in it. Uh, he's, some of his political advisers and the Pentagon are telling him to go the other way to try to get negotiations going. Olaf Scholz probably wants the same thing because he's got problems now in Germany as well. But I don't think he's able to make up his mind. And, you know, many people will say that given his other problems, his uh, frailties and his political problems, perhaps it's too much to expect Joe Biden in this kind of situation to be able to make up his mind. So they missed, they missed the, the time window. And um, the Russians look to be in an implacable mood. Now, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we discussed an article that appeared in Moscow Times about negotiations. And, you know, we were sceptical about that article and sceptical about those negotiations. And we should continue to be, by the way. But one thing did stand out for me, which is that it said that the White House has tried to, has tried to reach out to the Kremlin. In fact, clearly, if you read between the lines, Biden himself has tried to telephone Putin Putin refused to pick up the call. He apparently refused to accept direct calls from Biden, just as he's refusing to accept direct calls from Olaf Scholz. What he wants, before he's prepared to do anything like that, is he wants hard, realistic proposals on the table that he can work with in a way that gives him confidence that they will result in some kind of agreement which secures Russian interests. And no part of the West, none of the people in Washington, are prepared to go that far. Yeah, John Bolton uh, put out an opinion piece on uh, the Wall Street Journal, and he's calling on Biden to escalate. Yeah. He wants the Biden White House to escalate the conflict in Ukraine. He wants the Biden White House to place sanctions on China because he says that China is uh, helping Russia in the conflict in Ukraine. He wants uh, NATO to start enforcing sanctions. Um, I mean, he, he he's just lost his yeah. mind. He's talking yes. about uh, Putin bluffing about uh, nuclear weapons yes. and that the collective West and that NATO should call Putin's bluff on uh, on uh, Russia's nuclear deterrent. Uh, it, the problem is Biden listens to guys like Bolton who are aligned with people like Blinken and Newland and the State Department. Biden always defaults to the opinion of the State Department, and they're the most hawkish of, of all of these, these groups that, that are advising Biden on the conflict uh, in Ukraine. They're the ones that are making the decisions with Ukraine. I don't think it's the Pentagon. And, and if it is the Pentagon, I think Lloyd Austin actually acts in, in, in the favor, in the benefit of, uh, of the State Department. I don't think Lloyd Austin is, is exactly the, the, the voice of sanity from the Pentagon either. But, um, you know, Olaf Schultz, he's calling for uh, peace talks and negotiation, but on the basis of a Russian capitulation. But instead of Olaf Scholz moving things forward, what's his reaction to to his uh, position in Germany? Because you're seeing the rise of the Eye of Dead because of the conflict in Ukraine. His his position is not, or his 
his, uh, his action is not to, to push the EU or the Biden White House to sit at the table with Russia or to push Zelensky to negotiate with Russia. His reaction is, let's cancel the AFD. Absolutely, exactly. So, so you see, they're, they're trying to figure out ways to, to extend this conflict out and, get, and to get through these turbulent uh, times for them because they, they, they can't bring themselves to just do the simple thing, which is to cut off Ukraine and to get Ukraine to sit down with Russia. And they still believe that if they can extend this thing out, maybe something will happen. Maybe yeah. some, something will happen with regime change in the Kremlin. Yes. Maybe something will happen with the Russian economy. They're, they're, they're hoping that the ruble will collapse. And they're saying, well, yeah. look at where the ruble is now. You've described what's going on there in a previous video. So, so yeah. that's their, yeah. that, that's their policy is, is let's just yeah. keep this thing going. Yes. And let's just hope that something happens which which benefits us and then if we have to deal with with criticism we'll cancel political party we'll cancel uh websites we'll cancel uh journalists we'll we'll do whatever we have to do to uh to keep this thing going and hope for some sort of uh miracle outcome inside the kremlin or in this conflict that that resolves this issue for us uh you know real quick you mentioned shells as well, Alexander, from what I'm reading, you know, as Russia is ramping up production, you know, across the board, Ukraine is, is, is even running out of 155 millimeter shells. I mean, they don't have yeah. much left and, and the no. U.S. can't produce enough. No. No. Maybe they can get to 85,000 a month in the next couple of years, but yeah. Ukraine needs something like 250,000 a month. It's, 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 this is unwinnable. It is unwinnable, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, there is a character in one of Charles Dickens's novels called Mr. Micawber, who is constantly running himself into debt and ends up bankrupt. And, of course, his philosophy is, you know, that you know, I'll just keep on going as I've been going because something will turn up. That's, that's, that's what the West is doing. It's what, in Britain, we used to call a Micawberist type of policy. Something will turn up. There'll be another coup attempt. There's lots of talk about Prigozhin. By the way, you remember when uh, the Prigozhin affair took off, when there was the mutiny, you said at the time that they're going to seize on that and they're going to argue that, you know, Prigozhin's mutiny proves how unstable the political situation actually is in Russia. Dead right. That's exactly what they're doing. I mean, I read article after article about how the Prigozhin business proves that the political situation in Russia is volatile and unstable, that the regime is about, as they always call it, is about to collapse, that Putin is going to fall. Um, they claim that, you know, the ICC warrant has had some massive impact in some way, that they, they latch onto every word of a Russian business leader to say, you know, that the problems in Russia are, you know, the the political leader, the business community is turning against Putin. They, you know, talk up the capture of a single village, even if that village hasn't actually been captured. And by the way, on that village, um, the Russians are claiming that they still control part of that village, half of that village. So, you know, it's not even proved necessarily that it has been captured. But anyway, they cling on to the fact that a single village has been captured. They will talk things up, they will constantly look for reasons for optimism, even as the actual situation on the ground 
darkens and turns against them. Now, what might break that, what might change the picture, is if something dramatic happens, like, for example, the Russians, as they might easily do, capture a big town like Kupiansk, for example, and then push on to Izium, regain all the ground they lost in the Ukrainian offensive in Kharkiv region last year. That might galvanise debate in the United States, in, the, in Europe. The risk is that it's going to galvanise it, not in the direct, not in the, you know, towards negotiations, but towards the kind of course that John Bolton <laughs> and people like him are saying, that, you know, you must intensify and harden what you're doing. You must escalate even more. You mustn't just send F-16s to Ukraine. If Ukrainians can't fly those F-16s, you've got to send Western pilots to fly them. You've got to base them from uh, Romania and Poland and, you know, to hell with the consequences. You must send troops on the ground to create safe areas in Western Ukraine. You must stop thinking about the possibilities of, you know, um, no-fly zones over Ukraine. In other words, you must start taking those kind of extreme steps. And there was one particular article which, I have to say, spooked me, which I saw in the Daily Telegraph by a man called David Axe, who writes, I think, principally for Forbes. And he says, look, if the Russians are bluffing about nuclear weapons, their willingness, you know, their, their ability to use nuclear weapons. Well, then I'm right, and we can do whatever we want. But if I am wrong, <laughs> if they're not bluffing, if the Russian nuclear arsenal is not a bluff, and World War III does happen, well, don't blame me either, because even then, it would be Putin's fault. So, just go ahead... Take incredible risks, be as reckless as you like, follow the extreme courses that John Bolton is proposing and people like him are proposing. And if it ends in World War Three, well, don't blame Bolton, Blinken, Nolan, any one of these people. It's still Putin's fault, as everything always is. Yeah. That's where the neocons are going to push this. They're going to push this to the point where they're going to ask their citizens, they're going to ask American citizens and Canadian citizens yeah. and European citizens and Australian citizens, New Zealand, they're going to ask the entire collective West citizens, the population of the collective West, they're going to, they're going to plead with them, let's take this nuclear. Everything's going to be okay. That's where they're going to take this. They're going to take this to the, to the brink. And that's when we're, we're going to... I think that's that's when this thing's going to resolve itself, and and I believe that the populations are going to say, no, and uh, no, it's over. Well, well, indeed, but I, and and as further proof of that, and and that this is uh, that we're now in a pattern of continued escalation. You're absolutely right to highlight what's going on in Germany. There's now been growing demands in Germany for a ban on, well, not just a ban. I mean, an outlawing, as far as I can tell, of the IFD which is now to repeat the, the second biggest party in Germany in terms of its popularity. It's uh, way more popular than Olaf Scholz's SPD party, the governing party. It's a few points short of the leading party, which is the CDU. Um, but apparently, we're prepared to float the possibility of banning 
Germany's second most popular party to keep the political class in Germany still in control so that they can continue to prosecute the war. Now, I I have to say, once upon a time, proposals like that would have been inconceivable in any Western democracy. But that apparently is where we've come to. All right, uh, thedoran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Rockfin, and Telegram. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.